Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Well, Mark, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's fantastic to have you along. I always love talking to people who are sort of within their first 12 months of a new role. You know, the, the first 12 months of a CEO in a business uh, is such an interesting time. And, and as you are just coming up to your 12th month anniversary, it's great to have you on, particularly considering that we had your predecessor as a guest, uh, uh, but on on the podcast uh, a couple of years ago. So welcome. And uh, perhaps uh, to get us started, just tell us a little bit about your current professional responsibilities. Uh, thanks, Richard. It's uh, great to be with you uh, today. Um, as you as you touched on, uh, my name's uh, Mark Campbell. I'm currently the CEO of uh, DBM Vercon. Um, DBM Vercon is a, a global uh, 3D modeling, steel and concrete detailing company, um, currently uh, spread over eight countries um, covering India, uh, the Philippines, Malaysia, Australia, New Zealand, the US, Canada and the UK. And we've got about 850 staff uh, spread over those uh, those eight countries. So it's a it's a, a good sized company uh, and and um, providing best in class in, in what we do and and, and build, building and working on some of the fantastic projects across uh, across the globe. And uh, a bit of a an unsung hero in terms of uh, when I first got to know the business through Vidod. I mean, to have this business, which is head office in Brisbane, that has just been delivering some iconic projects globally uh, is quite amazing. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the kind of things that DBM gets involved with. And and also, you know, uh, you're now part of a bigger parent company and, you know, the broader business. Well, that's right. And I think, you know, having, having uh, been in consulting engineering businesses before, um, the engineers get a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, kudos, but... Um, the, the parts that, that we focus on is really that steel detailing. So it's providing uh, drawings to the steel fabricators so that uh, what has been uh, designed by the engineer can actually be uh, fabricated, constructed and erected on site. Uh, and so it really is a, an unsung part of uh, the end-to-end construction process. Um, uh, as you touched on, uh, we're part of a larger uh, uh, organization. Um, we're owned by uh, a US uh, business, um, uh, DBM Global, who are themselves owned by uh, HC2, which are a, uh, a holding company listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, DBM Global is about a billion dollar um, business. Uh, they have uh, two uh, steel fabricating and erection businesses, uh, one called Shuff Steel, which predominantly operates on the uh, west coast of the US, and the recently acquired Banker Steel, uh, operating on the east coast. Uh, they do a lot of work in, in New York City. And then they have uh, Grey Wolf, which is a uh, uh, construction and uh, maintenance company uh, based predominantly in the southern states in the US and then ourselves um, providing that professional services um, ranging from digital engineering which is uh, I guess pretty much at the front end of, of any business um, providing uh, the, the 3D modeling, um, BIM coordination, uh, digital twin and federated models for, for clients uh, down to the steel detailing and concrete and rebar detailing that we provide to um, the fabricators and, and, and contractors. 
Awesome. Well, before we talk a bit more about DBM Vercon and, and your role and, you know, where the business is moving to in the future, let's go back to, uh, you know, where it all began for Mark Campbell. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, where you were born, mum and dad, and uh, let's have a, a trip through memory lane. <laughs> uh, well, I guess um, I was born in, in Germany uh, to uh, my father was in the in the British Army based in Germany when I was born. Um, uh, and uh, so I moved around in my in my sort of first 10 years, um, living in a couple of years in Africa, uh, a couple of places around the UK um, before we finally settled for secondary school for myself in, in the southwest of England. Uh-huh. So I grew up in my sort of formative years in a place called Dartmouth in Devon. Uh, in the southwest, uh, based on the coast, so um, I grew up with a, a fondness for for the water and sailing, um, which I guess uh, uh, led me post uh, completing a civil engineering degree uh, to joining uh, the Royal Navy, um, and I spent sixteen years in the Royal Navy as predominantly as a helicopter pilot okay. um, for those sixteen years uh, before then um, uh, moving to Australia. Right, and so we should then. Uh, in the armed forces for his whole career? Uh, no, he left um, just as I joined uh, secondary school and, and became a sailmaker in, in Dartmouth and Devon. Okay. Uh, so uh, so um, I managed to get uh, cheap or free sails for my dinghies as I was growing up. And uh, and we had our, our, sa- our, our, our annual vacations were spent on a, on a sailing yacht uh, cruising around uh, France and, and, and that part of the UK. So fantastic opportunity growing up and, and really enjoyed um growing up in a small town in uh, Dartmouth in the, in the southwest of the UK. Uh, so my mum was actually born in Devon. Uh, so uh, <laughs> there you go. And so uh, you, uh, uh, so sorry, you uh, were a helicopter pilot. So what, um, uh, which armed forces were you associated with then? So I guess uh, having that uh, love, love of the sea, I, uh, I uh, moved up the hill to Britannia Royal Naval College, which was based in Dartmouth. And yeah. uh so one day I was a, a local a local boy just um, enjoying enjoying Dartmouth, and the next day I was an officer cadet at the Naval College at Dartmouth. And so I, I joined the Navy, um, spent uh, a couple of years um, in training um, on board ships, and then through uh, flying training, and then qualified as a uh, a commando helicopter pilot flying uh, Mark IV Sea Kings, um, ostensibly to to ferry the Royal Marines around, and and spent a number of years flying on and off of, um, of amphibious ships uh, before then um, retraining and transferring to the Lynx maritime attack helicopter, which I then flew off of frigates and destroyers for a number of years. Um, and where's it, yeah. were you ever involved in any armed conflict at any stage? Oh, look, uh, we, we, I served in support of, of, of um, a number of areas. So I, I served in Northern Ireland for a period, um, flying the Sea King. Um, I then served off of uh, frigates and destroyers based in in the um, off of the Horn of Africa and and in the um, in the Gulf um, during during the Iraq War in two thousand and three, um, and and also uh, flew during um, uh, you know uh, sorties um, in support of uh, West Africa and in other areas. So um, yeah, no, it was an in- interesting time to be part of the, the military. Um, had a very satisfying career. It's a great career for. Um, for, for um, uh, young people to get part of, and I thoroughly enjoyed my uh, my time in the military, and it, and it led it, it taught me a lot of lessons, and and it really um, set me up for my uh, my post military career very well. Um, 
you know, in the military, you, you do get taught that, those leadership skills from day one. Uh, and, and, and they've served me well through, through my, my, my new career in, in leading consulting engineering and, and my current role at DBM Vercom. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I uh, had uh, some time ago uh, Campbell Newman uh, on my podcast as a guest, and obviously his former career was in the military and uh, as an engineer, and then after he left, he went and did an MBA, and, and he found that you know his military experience around leadership and project management in particular mm. you know, was extremely uh, valuable moving into a, a corporate environment. So how did you end up uh, here in Australia then? Well, I, I, I um, met an Australian in, in the UK back in 1999. Uh, Emma was over for the Rugby World Cup in 99, and um, her mother said to her expressly when she, she left, make sure you don't meet a pom. And uh, uh, she met one, and we uh, got married and, and didn't move back to Australia until 2012. So she was away for 13 years in the end. Right. And, uh, and so you came here originally to Brisbane. Yes, we moved to moved to Brisbane originally. Um, so I left the navy. Um, we we um, uh, pitched up in in Brisbane. Uh, I had didn't have a job at the time, and uh, so started looking for for gainful employment. Uh, my first role out in the military, um, and managed to uh, get a job with Brown Consulting, who are a consulting engineering business based in Brisbane. With Gary, and I was lucky enough, lucky enough to work for them for um, seven years through a, right. through a number of roles. And at the time, the owner, managing director, was Gary, correct? That's right. Yeah, Gary was uh, my, my first boss outside of uh, outside of the military. So it's fantastic to work for Gary. I learned a lot off him, um, and and really, you know, still still keep in touch with him. Enjoy uh, catching up for a coffee with him, and uh, and uh, and gaining his insights uh, into into running engineering businesses. Yeah, I, I can't recall if I've had Gary on the podcast, uh, but if not, I definitely need to get him along because he uh, he had this fantastic uh, engineering consulting firm and he became, I think, the president of the uh, LMP party in Queensland and uh, now he's a business owner again. So, uh, you know, definitely a, a good guy to land, you know, with uh, immediately. And you're with Caliber for seven years. So, you know, over that period, you know, the business was sold to Caliber and some... Um, you know, the, the business went in a variety of different directions. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, your career sort of unfolded there. Well, as I said, I was lucky enough to get the role with Brown Consulting and it was really a business development role um, to look after and help um, the company win, win business from a national perspective. Um, I also um, helped implement um, the quality standards for uh, 9, 000, ISO 9001 and I also um, did some work on, on mergers and acquisitions and, and doing the due diligence for the acquisitions that Brown Consulting were doing. And I was lucky enough to be doing the due diligence on a New Zealand business that we were looking at purchasing. And uh, we did the, did the due diligence and, and um, uh, the powers that be at Calibre decided that they, they needed someone to run that business. And um, I happened to be in the right spot or the wrong spot at the time. And uh, and uh, uprooted the family and we moved to New Zealand for, for three and a half years to, to run the business over in New Zealand that we just acquired. Yep. Um, and that was a fantastic experience. The business had uh, been under ownership of a construction firm previously, had lost a lot of money um, through that uh, ownership period and had downsized from, from over 500 staff down to around about 100. Um, and so the business we acquired fairly cheaply, but, but also needed a bit of a turnaround strategy and so I went over there and, and I guess um, helped, helped them uh, um, um, 
turned the business around and, and, and started to provide the growth of that business and, and started to turn it into a profitable enterprise and, and had a great time in New Zealand leading that business and, uh, and watching the business um, flourish and grow. And it was, it was a fantastic and a really rewarding uh, experience. And then um, uh, what brought you home to Brisbane then? Well, I guess, um, you know, with, with a couple of young children um, uh, and, and our family sort of support network in Brisbane, uh, we were keen to return to, to Brisbane to um, put, the, put the kids through, um, through secondary school here in Brisbane. Um, so I managed to um, secure a transfer back to Calibre in, in Brisbane, running the, um, the consulting business on the, on the east coast of Australia. Okay. And then uh, not that long afterwards, uh, you exited Calibre and for, a, a, you know, almost two years, you know, ran your own advisory consulting firm. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I, I left Calibre and um, I had a, had a period of time off. Um, I was lucky enough to own a, an old wooden Queenslander here in Brisbane. And so we spent a bit of time uh, renovating that. And, and that work is never done, as you know, um, owning owning these old wooden houses. But um, so I spent a time a bit of doing that, and then and then did some of my own consulting work, um, and also did a um, worked for um, uh, Brisbane City Council for for a period of time as well um, as the chief operating officer for City Parklands, so running um, the operations at South Bank and Roma Street. Um, also did some consulting for a, a medical three D printing company. Um, helping them with their HR and their um, and, and some of their systems and processes. So you know it was a, it was a, it was a, a great couple of years um, doing something completely different outside of the uh, the engineering and professional services businesses that I had previously run. But um, the opportunity to uh, to uh, move to DB and Vercon came up, and uh, and and having you know looked at the uh, looked at the company and seen what a fantastic company it was, it was really an opportunity too good to uh, turn down. Yeah, and uh, obviously, Mark, because I was involved in that recruitment process, uh, I, I'd have to say in 20-plus years of uh, recruiting CEOs, it's the first time that I've ever successfully, you know, completed a recruitment assignment where the uh, CEO or the incoming CEO never actually met their new boss face-to-face. -face. <laughs> because, of course, it was, in, you know, in coronavirus and, and lockdown. So, you know, a really unusual, you know, situation. How, how did you find that process? Look, I think I think the, the, when I actually did the application, I think we just went into lockdown in Brisbane for the first time. Yeah. And then I think the whole process took, six months thereafter of a number of zoom and teams meetings and um and and i guess trying to get both myself and and obviously the the us owners and the leadership in in the in the business here in australia and the us comfortable with with um with myself i guess and and what the new ceo would would would, would be like and uh, yeah it was a unique challenge and 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 something that i probably don't care to go through again i'd much rather do it face to face but um but i think you know we've learned a lot over these over this period of time of how how to interact and and how to use technology to our advantage now definitely and uh, i think you were saying before we started the recording that uh you did manage to get to the us uh in June briefly and actually, you know, put a face to a name. But, uh, you know, one of the questions I love to ask, uh, you know, as you were coming in, uh, Mark, you know, what was the mandate? I mean, obviously, DB and Vercon had 
was very successful. It, it had geographic expansion. Um, they've been acquired by, you know, DBM Group and so on. So, and essentially the person who had orchestrated all of that was your predecessor, Vinod. Um, and so, you know, now you're coming in as a new CEO. What, what were you employed to do? Uh, well, I guess um, as as um, some may know, the the business had gone through, um, had been been acquired, and it was an amalgamation of three separate businesses, and that integration had gone very well. Um, but I think you know, as as all all integrations go, there's still work to be done, especially on a on a cultural um, perspective, and making sure that everyone is is on the same page and and moving forward. So that's that's a continuous journey that we're still working on. Um, and I think you know we will we'll continue to to build that culture as as one company, um, and it's it's a little bit unique at the moment. Obviously, because of COVID, we can't um, can't uh, get people in the leadership team face to face, which is a challenge. Um, and so most of our most of our workshops happen uh, with limited face to face, but happen online through the medium of Teams or Zoom, um, which is a real challenge. But it's really to continue that growth of DBM Vercon. It's looking how we potentially diversify um, the business, looking at how we grow into other geographical regions, um, but also making sure that we can actually integrate with our sister companies in the US. And, and not much has been done in that regard yet. Um, and that's always a challenge. I think, you know, when um, a parent organization um, acquires a number of different companies, the real challenge is how do you get those companies to work uh, together so that one plus one equals something greater than two. And that really is probably the, the key challenge that I have moving forward and that we have as a leadership team with DBM Vercon moving forward because there is significant opportunity, especially with the skill sets that we can bring from our digital engineering and, uh, and our 3D modeling uh, perspective. Uh, and, and that's the real challenge is to unlock those opportunities, especially in the US with our sister companies. Right. And so now almost 12 months into the role, you know, what are some of the things that you've been putting your attention to in order to achieve those goals? Oh, well, I think it's really about making sure that you've got uh, good alignment in the business, making sure you've got the right people in the right roles. Uh, and that's always a challenge, I think. And that's you know a key, key part of it. any CEO's um, job description is to make sure that they've got the right leadership and, and the right leadership roles uh, and making sure that we're focusing the attention on, on, the, on the important areas of the business. Um, and and, and it's, it, that, that is a challenge for any, any CEO and um, it's one that uh, takes up a lot of time and a lot of thought and a lot of discussion within the leadership team um, to make sure that we are um, looking at all of the opportunities, making sure that we um, make good decisions um, and, and, and making sure that we you know, are accountable to those decisions. And if we make a wrong decision, putting our hand up and admitting that we've made the wrong decision and seeing how we can make a better one. Right. And, uh, and so... Hopefully, fingers crossed, as we move to a new uh, post-COVID vaccinated world and we start to be able to open up more to travel uh, and so on. If you look out to the future, you know, not 20 years, but perhaps over the next two to three years, what are some of the things that you're excited about, you know, um, uh, coming into fruition for DBM Furcon? Oh, look, I'm really excited by the opportunity to get our teams that are working offshore. So our, our Indian um, teams, our, our um, um, Malaysian and Filipino teams, getting them back into the office, because I think it's a real challenge trying to do the work that we're doing from home. Uh, and, and it really is. It really amazes me that the level of product productivity that we've managed to achieve from from our offshore teams working remotely. 
Um, that's testament to the uh, technology that's now available, um, but it's really testament to their their grit and determination and their ability to um, to work in what is sometimes quite adverse conditions. So we've got a, a new office in Chennai that we spent a million dollars um, um, upgrading, and we um, unfortunately were due to move in uh, the next day, and, and COVID struck, and we had to then. Uh, put everyone uh, to work from home. And so we've got this brand new office in Chennai um, that I love to get the team back into. Uh, and I think if we can get the team back in there, it'll be great for morale, it'll be great for productivity, it'll be great for being able to train people again in groups. And so that's one of the things that I'm really excited about is, is getting people back into the office and, and so that we can conduct training, we can um, collaborate a little bit easier, um, especially in our offshore um, offices. Yes, um, I think that uh, uh, before you go on, you know, for a lot of us here in Australia and, and in, you know, uh, the amazingly fortunate circumstances we are, we are, okay, well, all right, we're going to work from home. Well, we've got decent internet connection and our homes are generally relatively comfortable and so on and so forth. But in some of these countries, uh, I mean, working from home, you know, uh, uh, they're up against it, aren't they? Because often a lot of the things that we take for granted, they just don't have at home. Uh, so that makes it so it can create such additional challenge that you would need to be dealing with, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. And, and as, I, as I said earlier, it, it really does astound me how robust and, and, and um, you know, our, our teams are and, and the ability for them to be able to continue to produce what, what is excellent um, deliverables for our clients is just fantastic. And it really is testament to the quality of people that we have in DBM Vercon. And I think, you know, you look at some of these countries that not only have, um, you know, much higher rates of, of COVID uh, um, running through their population, but also have, you know, natural disasters added on top. Um, you know, you look at the Philippines at the moment, there's an active volcano, they've had typhoons. Um, so it really is, you know, a challenge for a lot of our, our people and for them to keep delivering under these uh, conditions is, is really, you know, I, I really do take my hat off to them. And it is fantastic for, 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 their, for us as a business. Um, but, you know, that, that said, you know, COVID is here to, to stay for the, the short to medium term. Um, yeah. We've got some really good technologies in place now that we can um, work um, through that. Um, but I am excited by, you know, hopefully getting uh, COVID um, behind us at some stage early next year and being able to then focus on, on, on growing the business because I think, you know, our business is successful. There's some really great opportunities for us as a business, um, whether it's um, looking at expanding in Western Europe whether it's growing our industrial capability into the US, whether it's looking at the concrete and rebar detailing opportunities here in Australia, uh, or looking at merger and acquisition uh, opportunities uh, further downstream. Um, you know, it's a really exciting time for us as a business. Well, that's excellent. And, uh, and as you said earlier, you know, the integration with the other, your, for whatever better term, your sister companies within the group, you know, what, what do you see as some of the... Uh, the positives of those synergies that will enable, you know, the, the business to grow further? Well, I think it's really exploring how um, the whole um, construction process can be um, changed and, and looking at uh, those opportunities of bringing some of our technology excellence to, to help them um, with their clients and help them win more work and help them deliver uh, more efficiently and effectively. Um, I think, you know, technology is playing a, a greater role in, in construction, and I think it will continue to do so. I think the US has, has been slow to adopt in, in some of its um, 
uh, BIM and, and 3D uh, aspects of construction. I think uh, the UK um, and, and countries like Australia are, are a little a little ahead, and we can take some of those learnings um, to our sister companies and help them to uh, to uh, fast track their success uh, moving forward. It's a, you touch on a point there, which uh, I wouldn't mind exploring a little bit further. You said, uh, you know, in some regards, Australia and New Zealand is a little bit further advanced, uh, which is joyous to hear. Why do you why do you think that that is? I just think we've had a more um, a greater willingness to adopt technology and to explore the use of technology. Um, construction has always been a slow innovator. It's been a slow adopter um, to change. Um, but I think technology, we're seeing a greater and uh, or a larger role of technology in our industry. Um, and I think we, we can see that from, you know, you look at Queen's Wharf in, in Brisbane, we're doing the digital twin and the digital engineering on that project. And it's a, a complicated billion dollar um, project. Um, that we're federating models and, and providing um, the stakeholders with an accurate um, uh, model of, of where the construction's up to. And, and at the end of the day, once that project's complete, we'll provide the owner with a complete digital twin of their asset, which they can then use into um, the asset management and the facilities management of that, uh, of that um, fantastic project. So I think, you know, there is, there is um, adoption of, of technology in, in the construction industry. Um, there is adoption of, of, of digital engineering in, in the construction industry. And I think, you know, government is starting to realise the opportunities that, that technology can, can give them as well. And so as government adopts um, the use of, of 3D and, and digital twins and, and technology in the construction space, um, that, will, that will fast track its, its more broader use. Fantastic. And I'm, look, I'm not that familiar with the expression digital twin, so I'm sure uh, other listeners probably would be the same. So just explain that a little bit more. Oh, so I guess a digital twin is really um, uh, providing a 3D model that really um, uh, replicates the, the built asset that you have. So in effect, you've then got a, a 3D model that you can um, interrogate. It, actually, it accurately reflects um, where the physical uh, uh, form is. So you can actually walk around with an iPad um, and, and, and view um, the asset through the through the digital twin. And, and, and it, it's, as I said, its use is really... Um, can be used for the facilities management aspect, the asset management of it um, downstream and, and helps and can help um, uh, clients reduce their operational costs over the 50 year life cycle of, of that asset. Um, so that, it's a really powerful tool moving forward. Right, and Mark, is that something that is only really relevant for new builds or can you look at older buildings and, uh, and develop that out to create some efficiencies and so on? Uh, even if the building might be 20 or 30 years old? No, you absolutely can. I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of that, especially in the industrial space. So we'll um, engage a surveyor to, to scan the asset um, and then we'll back model it um, to, to provide a, a 3D uh, model of, of the asset. So you absolutely can do it with, with older assets. Obviously, there's a, a time and a cost to it, but the benefits, um, you know, can be really, um, really key for clients as they as they look to um, optimize those assets moving forward. Wow, that's uh, that's fascinating. And so, Mark, um, obviously, for yourself, you know, twelve months in the role now. In terms of your own career, you know, what are you excited about for the future? Oh, look, I'm just really excited about seeing the the business grow. I'm really excited by some of the leadership team. We've got a, a fantastic bunch of uh, leaders in our business, and I'm really looking forward to helping them realise their careers. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, it, it really is um, great to see uh, people grow up through the organisation, and I'm keen to help them do that. Uh, 
I, I'm excited by the opportunities ahead of us. I think we've got a really diverse and, and fantastic organization that, that can, can achieve a lot over the coming years. Right. And is there anything that I haven't asked you about DBM or that, you know, something that you would particularly like to talk about at this point? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think um, it's been a, been a good chat and uh, I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you uh, today. Good. And Mark, uh, and so uh, is sailing still something that you enjoy? Uh, is that one of your weekend pursuits to keep the petrol tank full? Well, l- luckily, I, I live in uh, I live in Manly in Brisbane, which is on the on the bay, and I get to, I get to see the bay most days, which is fantastic. Um, but yet, no, I'm I'm sailing on a on a weekly basis with a, a couple of uh, other other friends, uh, and it's it's great to get out there on a on a Saturday. My kids also sail, so I figured that if they were going to be out doing it, I might as well get out there as well. And um, yeah, no, it's great to get out there and and uh, and, and challenge challenge ourselves on on the boat and try to try to go as fast as possible. Fantastic. I took my son earlier this year on a learn to sail day out of Midley and uh, and we loved it. And uh, so I said to him, okay, by the end of this year, I'll make sure I've got my ticket so that, uh, but gosh, it's what, 6th of August and I've done nothing so far. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'll see you down at Manly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, do your kids go to that little school where they go out on all the dinghies and so on? Well, they yeah, they they they're now um, sailing on a Saturday, um, most Saturdays during the sailing season. So my right. son sails a sails a laser, and my my daughter's in a two man dinghy. So um, yeah, they, they they really enjoy it, and uh, it's a it's a great uh, great way to spend a Saturday. Oh, for sure. And when the we can finally travel internationally, not for work but for pleasure, you know, where are you excited about going to? Oh, look, we're we're big skiers as a family, right? Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting back to the slopes at some stage. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, we've missed the opportunity to get skiing this uh, this Australian winter, but um, uh, I'm not holding out too much hope for the north and northern hemisphere winter this this next year. But hopefully, uh, hopefully next year we'll get back on the slopes either in New Zealand or uh, in uh, in North North America. Oh, fantastic! And do you still have family in Devon? Uh, my parents have just moved from Devon. They're now on now near Southampton on the south coast of uh, the UK. Uh, my sister lives in in Europe. She's uh, she's living in Geneva at the moment. Okay. All right. Well, look, Mark. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. I know that you've got a very busy day ahead. So, uh, thanks very much, and have a fantastic afternoon. Thanks, Richard. It was great to talk to you. Thank you for listening to the Arate Podcast with Richard Trinks. We frequently feature guests from organisations we are currently recruiting to build the company brand as an attraction strategy for candidates. If you would like to promote your organisation's brand as an employer of choice, please contact Richard directly on 0403 588 517 or via email at arateexecutive.com.au. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.